as you learn something, apply it kind of right away because you never know if you just make that landing page or set up that email list, what it could turn into a few years down the line. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, for years now, I've given you a ton of stories on remote workers and digital nomads on this podcast, but I've come to realize that many of you beginners are still unsure on how to take the first steps to creating a freedom lifestyle through online work. Maybe you've been too afraid to take the plunge or just don't feel confident enough to land that online job due to inexperience. Well, I'm excited to announce that I've created a new YouTube series called Trying Remote, where I try a new online job or gig every month month to give you a glimpse of what it takes to land a remote job. So if you need a little boost to try something new or just want to see what it takes to get started, you can go to theoffbeatlife.com slash trying remote. Again, you can go to theoffbeatlife.com slash trying remote to find our videos and to subscribe to our new series on YouTube. So please come and join me there so we can uncomfortably grow together. In this episode, I'm so excited to speak with Blake, who is a social scientist, entrepreneur, and full-time traveler who writes about the psychology of personal freedom, exploration, and local independent businesses. He's the founder of Flanour Life, an internet home for free-range humans. So listen on to find out how this social scientist has been able to create a free-range life as a full-time traveler. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to speak with my guest today. I'm here with Blake. Hi Blake, how are you? Hey Debbie, I'm doing great, thank you. It's a cold and cloudy day here in Lima, but I've got like two sweaters on right now, but uh, (laughs) just getting ready to head out for a weekend road trip to nicer weather. Oh my gosh, I'm excited for you for that because I'm also freezing here. So I'm like, yes, as you know, as much as I like up north, I'm like, I'm ready to go down south too. So can you tell us more about you, Blake, and why you live an offbeat life? Sure. I, I live an offbeat life because I consider myself a global citizen. I have a strange background where I grew up and studied in Canada. I did my master's degree in Hong Kong. I started my first business in South Korea. And since then, over the years, I've traveled to more than 50 countries now and lived permanently in across four different continents. So it's been a journey since I think it was 2008 when I read the four hour work week, which really changed my mindset. I know that's the same for a lot of location independent entrepreneurs up until when I sold my first business in 2017. Now I work in the Web3 space and I slow travel around the globe. That is an incredible journey that you had. And there's a lot to unpack here because you've lived multiple lives already in the span of just a few years. So how did you even know that location independence was right for you? Did you see this online? Did you have friends or it was just something that you kind of sought out for yourself? It's really strange because my goal growing up was always to be a medical doctor. So since high school, I always had that dream. I, you know, I was an A student in high school. I studied really hard to get into um, good universities. And then that was my goal the whole way through. I was never thinking about location independence, about travel or about business at all. So 
this was something that came about in the last year of my studies in university. I started realizing that, I guess, sensing maybe the anxiety of all my colleagues, the stress around MCAT exams, trying to get into medical school, and I just didn't feel ready. I also felt kind of the sense that I was doing something that maybe wasn't so authentic to me, and I just wanted to buy myself more time. So I investigated different options for myself, and what I landed upon was the opportunity to go and teach English overseas. As I started investigating more, I narrowed in on South Korea. I realized that they could pay for your flight ticket to go over there, and I didn't have much money. I was a student, right? So, graduating um, after doing summer classes and the whole the whole nine yards for for four years straight, and yeah, so that was like a big opportunity for me. And actually, one of my good friends ended up deciding the same. So, at the time, I was on a big you know, self-improvement binge. I was reading lots of different books and I actually met up with a few cool new friends when I arrived in this whole new world in South Korea. I never traveled outside of, uh, of my home country of Canada. Yeah, there I, you know, with this new circle, we started meeting up every Sunday. We discussed like topics about how we can improve our lives, what are our goals right now, kind of the idea of a mastermind. And one of the books that we first started talking about was The 4-Hour Workweek. And once I read that, I discovered this whole other world was possible. And that immediately became one of my new focuses. Yeah, it's so interesting how most of the digital nomads and location independent individuals I talk to, it's like the four hour work week is everyone's Bible. Like it's the start (laughs) of the beginning. And it's so interesting that it has changed so many people's lives. And Tim Ferriss is like pretty much like the the epitome of of what it has become. So that is awesome to hear because I read that too and it changed my life as well. But you, before you even read that, you took this leap and you decided that I want to do something different. I don't want to just do this. I want to see something else in my life. And you've never even left Canada. So what made you kind of have this just push for yourself to to go to Korea because that's a big leap going from like Canada to a completely different continent that's all across the globe because it's like okay why not go to the US or some somewhere a lot um closer to you right right yeah thinking back i don't know honestly what i was thinking i mean part of it was inspired by just this overwhelming sense that I needed to change something. And also the the fact that I think, you know, reading the books that I did, I was compelled to take a big risk in my life. Whereas up, up until then, I, I'd very much like followed a set path for myself or kind of going down a path that a lot of others I think wanted for me. And I think this was an opportunity for me to like I don't know. It's something. It's the whole idea of it scared me, but at the same time, it intrigued me. I knew it was something I needed to do for myself. The not only the thought of like moving to an entirely different country where there's so many unknowns that was a big leap for me, but also the idea of like getting up in front of a classroom and teaching and all of it was so hard to imagine. But at the same time, I just really felt compelled to make that big change and to try something new for myself. And then once I did. I realized that's exactly what I needed. And I actually never ended up going back to Canada. The plan was to go back <laughs> after a year and I never went back. I had a going away party with all my friends. 
I said, see you in a year. And that now has turned into, yeah, 10 plus. So (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty awesome. So what made you decide to stay there and keep going, keep traveling, keep making this into a lifestyle for yourself instead of just like a gap year? I attribute a lot of that to those early influences that I met. So I consider, you know, a few of those people that I met really early on, other expats in South Korea or others in a similar situation to me, that they were really good influences for me in that way about thinking differently. They were all um, really smart people who were designing their own lifestyles or talking about business or these concepts that I may have not have been introduced to until that point. And, you know, just hanging around with them, I think you are the average of the five people you hang out with most. And I just started to think differently. And um, yeah, I just once once I tasted a bit of travel. So during my year there, my first year, you couldn't travel at all because the schedule was pretty full on with a teaching job. So I was working five days a week, kind of nine, 10 hours a day. There was really no freedom and no vacation days. But after a year when I started traveling more, I realized, I don't know, it's the sense of freedom that I got from it or just the sense of wonder, recapturing that childlike wonder in a new place and kind of this, I don't know, the strange looks from people on the street, the strange foods, (laughs) um, discovering new cultures. I just became obsessed with that. And uh, I knew that business was the way that I could maintain that lifestyle. That's one of the things about travel and meeting new people. You just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who you're going to meet, who's going to change your life. And that's exactly what happened with you because you could have easily just gone back to Canada, became a doctor, and your life would be completely different than what it is now. And I've thought about that since then. It, it's funny. Yeah, I, I, I had another opportunity to go back to school and I, I was debating it. This was a few years later. And I remember it was a big crisis for me because I got I got uh, an interview opportunity at a really good school that, yeah, I was selected. You know, it, it was really hard to get into anyway. And I flew back. I was really torn on it. And I actually got in and I was faced with the decision, okay, well, do I give up? This was three years into this lifestyle now. And I still hadn't earned my location independence, to be fair. But do I consider, do I do I continue down this path where I'm aiming for this goal? Or do I take this opportunity and now move back? And I, I remember I debated it for a year. It was one of the hardest decisions I made. So going to that, when you are faced with two different paths, two different roads, and one is a risk, right? But you know it's a life that you ultimately want. And the other one is something that's kind of like the American dream or it's what people see as a success. Um, and I'm pretty sure that that's the, what the other road looked like because from what you're saying about the really good school and all of that good stuff. So how did you finally decide which road to take? Because like you said, it took you a whole year and that's a really big decision for somebody. Yeah. And the reason I bought myself a year is because I basically wrote them a letter and asked them to please defer my enrollment for a year so that I would have that that space to think about it. And it really still came down to the wire. I remember a lot of conversations with family, a lot of conversations with some of those friends that I respected. And I was overseas at the time there was no major catalyst for making the decision. It was just I was forced to with the time. And I think it was good to have that time crunch. They started e- e- emailing me, confirming that I was going to be coming in the in September. 
And at that point, I was forced within three days to make a decision. And with the gun to my head, I just knew in the back of my head, I don't want to. I was just more of a feeling than than a logical reason. I just knew um, I have to go for what my dreams are. And they had changed since the time when I applied to that school. Yeah. And one of the things that for me, when, when I make a decision, it's like in the back of your mind, you already know, right? You already know what you really want, but there's that fear that, okay, what if it is too much of a risk or what if it's the wrong decision? And whenever there's like that big hesitation that you have, it always tells me like my gut instinct is is telling me that it's not the right path. And I think that that's probably the reason why you deferred it because you were like, yeah, this is, I know it's not, but I don't know, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because it's exactly what you're saying. Like looking back now, it's a lot more obvious that that's what it was. It was the fear of um, missing out, the fear of what if, and what if things went horribly wrong. And with my business goals, because I had not been successful to my standards by then. Yeah, what if, what if all of that didn't work out? What am I missing out on here? Or what does that mean for my future? Yeah, and that's the beauty about life. It's There's so many uncertainties. And if you take one path, it could completely change the outcome of your life. And it absolutely did because you wouldn't be where you are. You wouldn't have been able to leave a life that you didn't even know or lead a life that you didn't know even existed. And now you have these businesses. So talking about that, Blake, what business did you end up really moving forward with? And how did you make that sustainable so that you can make this a life for yourself? Yeah. So I had started after I read the the four-hour work week. I started experimenting. I started blogs, like I think a lot of us do, just setting up different websites and things. And my first blog was a travel blog. Basically, only my friends and family read it. And then I, I remember a few others that that failed or didn't work out in various ways or trickled out. The first one that really... It was actually like two steps because I was in South Korea. So I was starting to think on like, okay, what's What's my niche? What's the one thing that I can talk about that no one else can? And with my friend who ended up becoming my business partner, we started a website around how to rent an apartment in South Korea. And it's such a niche topic, but it was like, we figured it out. The rental system there is super complex. You have to put down what's called key money. There's all of these steps involved. And especially doing it in a foreign language, it was really hard to do. And we actually found that was the first business where I set up products, a little funnel, an email sequence. And I still remember the day when I woke up, it was freezing cold, it was winter. I woke up, I checked my phone and there was a notification from PayPal that I had a deposit in my account. And I remember that was a game-changing moment for me. We didn't end up selling that many eBooks off that website, not enough to change my lifestyle anyway, but that motivation that that gave me was a reinforcement to push forward. So thinking along those lines, at the same time, I started a second business, which was around one of the topics I studied in school, psychology, and the fact that I was learning the Korean language at the time. So I distilled all of my techniques that I had used to learn the alphabet and learn to read Korean into an ebook. And I put that online and I started building an email list and it actually ended up becoming really popular. People loved the techniques that we taught through that ebook. And I ended up building a course around it. 
And then that over the next four years of hard work, it ended up becoming the business that finally earned me my freedom. So it was a language learning business with an online portal and an app attached to it. Wow. And, you know, you wouldn't have been able to realize that without really experimenting, without failing several times to to land to where it was your business that was going to allow you to have this type of life. Yeah, that's so true. I, I, I agree. Just all of those those websites that didn't work or just even learning how to set up the websites and blogs without all of that all of that knowledge it wouldn't have been possible to make this because this business actually started in a weekend off of a random idea that I had I was reading a book I actually had just come back from Canada and I met Tim Ferriss in person at a meetup event <laughs> in Toronto and he had his new book out called The 4 Hour Chef and I was reading about it and it had one section about language learning and I thought hey this is this is really cool I have an idea for this. Like, I'm just going to distill all my thinking that I use to learn to read Korean really quickly. And I'm going to write it down and I'm going to put it online with a landing page. And without all the knowledge I had learned, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So yeah, it was up in three days and then that kickstarted things. So that's so true. All of that experimentation, all of the learning I did up until that point made that so easy to do. Yeah. And and also because you already created different content for a website, it actually trained you to start this business, you know, without even knowing, right? That's the beauty about learning different skills is that you don't know where it's going to lead you, where those skills are going to be put in place and how it's going to help you in the long run. That's really true. I think looking back to one mistake I would say like that I would do differently in the future or for anyone who's still in that learning phase too, is I think experimenting was the right move. But honestly, if I delayed too long before I started experimenting, I was too obsessed with consuming information and watching all of these programs, studying, reading online, probably for a year before I implemented. And I think the takeaway I would have for myself is like, as you learn something, apply it kind of right away, because you never know if you just make that landing page or set up that email list, what it could turn into a few years down the line. Yeah. And I think that happens with a lot of people, especially analytical people, because you always feel like you always need something more to learn, because you don't want X, Y, and Z to happen or to avoid certain failures or mistakes. But then actually making those mistakes makes you <laughs> learn more ironically instead of just like there's only so much you can read there's only so much you can watch there's only so much you can hear before like you have to take that step like you have to absolutely take the action otherwise it's just going to be an idea for the rest of your life or like you had mentioned like it's going to just be delayed over and over and over again before then you're like, okay, maybe I don't want to do this anymore because sometimes you talk yourself out of it too if you keep doing things, you know, like that. <laughs> That's so true. And I think the same thing applies when you're talking about business or language learning. It's the same thing when yeah. you're learning a new language. If you don't go and apply it, it's so hard to, to remember it or to get those quick wins that compel you to take the next step. And I think that feedback you get from just doing it is what compels you to continue. So I, yeah, I can't stress the importance of just kind of getting started and experimenting as much as you can in the early stages alongside your learning. 
Yeah. And I love that you mentioned feedback because that's really what it is that you want. And I think, you know, for me, when I was starting working online, starting a business, one of the things that I was afraid of was the feedback because you don't want to be told that what you're doing is not right. But that's actually what you need because that's going to help you get better a lot faster when you get that feedback. It's so true. It's those little emails and things you get from anyone who's, if you're creating content that's consuming your content or your materials or whatever it is, even a little comment, yeah, or a note from somebody to thank you is enough to compel you to keep going, even though you're not having any any financial success or results in that manner yet. It's enough to make you want to keep going. Whereas if you don't have any of that feedback, it's really hard to motivate yourself to keep blindly pushing forward. Yeah, absolutely. So Blake, is this the business, the language learning business, is this a business that you sold in 2017 or are you still working on it? Yeah, that one I ended up I ended up selling. So the quick story behind that is I realized that I wanted to do something else. So I just felt it was kind of time to move on. Um, it took me a while to accept that that was what was happening. But Um, Luckily, I had a a really understanding business partner and we ended up coming to an agreement where I just sold my portion of the business to him. And then from that point, it was kind of a year of exploration for me. So I did a lot of traveling, had a lot of really in-depth conversations with people I trust, with new people, with strangers on the road. And it was really just about information gathering and deciding what my next purpose, what my next step was in the business world. So what ended up happening once you sold it and then you kind of explored it? I I feel like it was another gap year, you know, similar to what you had before to try to figure out what your next step was. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And I think those periods are important in life. You don't always have the answer right away what the next step is. And I, I found value in kind of waiting until that's a lot more solidified. So A lot of the deep thinking, a lot of the soul-seeking adventures that I went on that year kind of showed me that one thing I want to do is to blog. So that actually in that year, that's when I started a new blog of mine where I just decided this is what I want my home on the internet to be. This is where I want to write about the topics that I'm passionate about, whatever that is. So that was born out uh, out of that gap year. And... I just realized that I wanted to travel more than I had been. I had been very based in Asia for such a long period that I think I wanted to expose myself to new environments and new languages and new new cultures. So I, I did. I explored South America for the first time. I got out of Asia. I went to uh, went to Europe and yeah, kind of was deciding not only business wise what do I want to do next, but where do I want to be situated? Where do I want my home base to be? Do I want a home base? And it was really about answering all of those questions for me. So after a lot of that exploration, what I ended up deciding was, well, I was going to base myself in South America. I was going to take on the challenge of learning another language. And I was going to um, start working in tech. So Uh, My background up until that point with all the skills I'd learned set me up nicely to to know marketing quite well. And I teamed up with some really talented tech entrepreneurs and started working in the Web3 space. What is Web3? Can you explain that to us? Because I have no idea. Yeah, (laughs) sure. 
I think I'm not an expert by any means either, but I think a, an easy way to look at it is like web one was read. Like, you know, there was like dial up internet. You could go on Wikipedia, mm. consume information. Web two, read and write blogs, YouTube, social sharing, podcast that unlock this new layer to the, to the web. And then web three is read, write, own. So it's adding this ownership layer to the internet. And some of the terms people might have heard are like cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology, mm. NFTs. It's the idea where you have the ability to capture value creation through the ownership. So it's like, yeah, you, you actually, you, you, or the metaverse, maybe that's another yeah, example. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, is it like the metaverse? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's big it. now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's big now, right? So that's, it's like what's being touted as the future of the internet. So really, if you were to dumb it down, I think we're still really figuring out what that is, like what is the metaverse and how is that going to change things? But a lot of the the key the key words or buzzwords in the space are decentralization, ownership, mm. and community is a big one. I think it just adds a lot of value to the way we create these online communities because now you're not only part of a community, but you can have more of a say and a financial upside in the community as well. So I think it adds a lot to what we're building in the online space. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I, I even heard, I who was it that um, I heard this from, but like people were buying properties in the metaverse. I was like, wow, that's a little quirky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can you own property in the metaverse? I'm like, how do you own it? How do you get there? Do you just, do you sit on, like, what, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that because people heard that Snoop Dogg had purchased uh, virtual land in Decentraland or one of these metaverse platforms yeah. and everyone was scrambling <laughs> to buy up the property around him. So yeah, that's, I remember Oh my God, that's hilarious. That. I like Snoop Dogg is the best. I love Snoop Dogg. I'm like, he's he's a vibe because yeah, that's a whole nother episode of the podcast because like <laughs> he's so cool. Yeah, he's he everywhere. Is. He's got his hands in every piece of the pie. He's such a smart entrepreneur. So yeah. He I is. have mad respect for Snoop Dogg. And I feel like he can get along with anybody. I'm like, come on, he's friends with Martha Stewart. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, he's he's the man. I'm like, that's it. Hands down, the coolest guy ever. <laughs> totally agreed. Yeah, can't disagree with that. I love that. So now what are, you know, like, what's the future for you, Blake? Like, what do you hope to do? And I know you have this new business venture. I know it's, it's still in the works. Like, what do you see yourself doing in, in the near future? I think it's still very early in terms of how this Web3 space is evolving. I currently work with a talented team of developers and creatives at a platform called Dropspace, which is a launchpad for Web3 projects. So it's basically we take care of all of the tech and token gating for brands. Uh, we worked with Jaritos like the Mexican flavored soda. They recently launched mm. an NFT token and we did that for them. Um, and we help brands like that enter the, the space. So we've created the technology for them to be able to do that and to manage it in a scalable manner. So I envision things will keep evolving. I think new ideas will come up because things are so early and new problems to solve will arise. Um, but for now, that's what I'm doing. I'm observing. I'm continuing with um, what's working. And I'm just staying alert for what the next step is. 
Yeah. And that's a lot of exciting things, especially with technology. There's always something new that happens every single day and something else that's being discovered, being brought to the the public. And I think it's it's so crazy how everything is evolving. And I feel like it's so fast, but not so fast, you know, so like it's so interesting to to watch everything unfold. Yeah, uh, a week in this space is feels like, you know, a month or even maybe a year in the real world. Everything is changing so quickly, and I think we'll see a lot of it become a lot more mainstream and we'll all have less of these questions. It'll just become the way we interact online and we won't even think about it as web3 or NFTs. It will just become the new norm, and I think when it gets to that point, that's when yeah, everyone will be using it. Yeah, it'll be like a crazy new world, you know, that's like almost alien, but at least for me. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So let's fast forward to maybe 40 to 50 years from now, Blake, and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? This is a great question. For me personally, I want to be able to look back and say that I achieved my highest potential in life, that I took risks that I confronted my fears, and that I set an example for those around me in in creating my own path, uh, my own way of thinking in life, and perhaps more importantly, that I contributed to making the world a better place. Yeah. And that's a good way to live because, you know, if you only have one life to do it, you may as well leave your mark, right? And do it in the way that you, you want to. Well said. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you so much, Blake, for joining us today. We really appreciate you. If our listeners want to learn more about you, where can they find you? The best place to reach me is on my website, flaneurlife.com, F-L-A-N-E-U-R, or on my Instagram at Blake Goes Places. Perfect. Thanks, Blake. We really appreciate you. Thanks, Debbie. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Blake. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares three pathways to achieving location independence. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold. Thank you.